Welcome to Victory Church Winchester, Virginia's weekly podcast. Our desire is that you will find Victory a place to call home. Please take a moment to subscribe and share. Here is this week's message from our Sunday morning worship experience. Uh, today is going to be the last message in this collection of teaching. I'm, I'm thinking, and um, so I'm excited to share with you today about the stewardship of freedom. I want you to read, uh, look in your Bible, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. You can follow along with us in the Victory Church app there as well. The, the notes will be there. Let's go ahead and read our passage today. The title of this particular passage in your Bible, in my Bible, is Treasures in Heaven. And Jesus is speaking here and he says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. This is important right here. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is connecting your treasure, the things that you value. He's saying they are inseparably connected to your heart. Where your heart is, your treasure will be, and where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He's encouraging us to have our hearts inclined to the things of eternity, not to the things of this earth. For he says in verse 24, as we go down He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And so this morning, I want to share with you the title of my text and subject of my sermon today, The Stewardship of Freedom. Why don't you bow your heads uh, with me as we pray and ask for God's blessing. The reading upon his, uh, the reading of his word. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word, Lord. Your word, Lord, brings life and hope and direction. Father, thank you, Lord, that you're speaking, Lord, even in this place today and in this moment. Lord, you said, let he who has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying. Father, we want to live in a place, in a spiritual, supernatural realm of undeniable freedom. Father, we're believing you, Lord, to set us free. Set us free from the things that are holding us. To set us free from the limitations. Set us free from the way that things have simply always just been and we've accepted. Lord, break us free. Set us free to live for you and to serve you and to love you with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One of the most interesting things about pastoring and getting the opportunity to come up here and share the Word of God with you, is the reactions of people when we start talking about money and finances and possessions and wealth. I read a story recently uh, about a pastor who was sleeping one night. He was in the dead of night. It was late sleeping, and he heard some moving around, and he awoke to find a thief breaking through his house and searching through his valuables. And the thief, as he, this pastor confronted the thief, he said, hey, what are you doing? The, the thief confront, uh, confronted him. He said, he said, don't make a move or else I'm going to shoot you. He said, I'm looking for your money. 
And the pastor said, well, wait a minute. Just let me turn the light on and get up, and I'll help you look. So in other words, <laughs> I, I tell you that story to tell you this morning that all of us are looking for money. Whether, whatever sphere of life that we come from, we work for money, right? We spend money. We, uh, we, we stress over money. Right? We save money, hopefully we invest money, and we give money. But I'm wondering this morning, my question for each and every one of us today is, are we faithful to God with our money? You see, God is not wanting our money, but God is wanting our heart. And our heart cannot be separated from our treasure. It cannot be separated from our finances, and so... What I want to talk to you this morning is about an important subject that we cannot minimize as trivial or as so practical, but is actually very spiritual, and that is the area of our finances. And I know and I'm aware that this type of subject in the church can kind of be uncomfortable, it can be weird, and maybe perhaps you've brought a friend here today, and you're like, my bad, man, I'm sorry, man, he doesn't usually, he doesn't usually talk about money, it's all good, maybe come back with me next week, I'm sorry, bro, I'm sorry, it's going to be all right. I, I just want to reassure you today that it's going to be okay, uh, it's going to be okay, I'm, I've come to encourage you and, and share the word of God with you, and I, I know that this is going to be helpful to your life today, all right? Because stewardship is more than finances. Stewardship is about the freedom to love and to serve God with your whole heart. I'm going to say that again because it's important for you to know that stewardship is not just about finances. Stewardship is about the freedom to love and to serve God with all of your heart. This is what Jesus is saying in this particular passage of Scripture. He says, you cannot serve both God and money. You're going to love one and hate the other, so you better love God. He's saying, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is not after what is in your hands so much as he's after your heart. Because if he can get your heart, then he can get your hands to be inclined to the things that come to bring you freedom. And so this morning... I want to talk to you uh, from the subject of stewardship, but I want to share with you this main idea of my text today. Your heart can be free if your hands will be open. Your heart can be free if your hands will be open. It's important that you know that the subject of money was an often talked about subject for Jesus. Jesus talked about money in 16 of the 39 parables that he taught on. Jesus talked about money 15 in wealth and possessions, 15% of his teachings. Second to the teaching on the kingdom of God, it was his most frequent thing that he talked about. And you have to ask yourself, why is that so? Because our finances have a great connection to our heart. And if we love God with all of our heart, then we will love him also and be faithful in the area of our stewardship and our finances. In fact, Jesus also said in Luke chapter 16, verse 11, this is powerful. If you have not been faithful in handling worldly wealth, who will commit to you, to your trust, the true riches? So your finances and how you manage and respect them is uh, is actually a trust from God to assess whether you're ready for higher levels of real responsibility and true riches. 
God uses it as a test to see if you're ready for greater blessing, greater authority, uh, a greater responsibility. So stewardship is more than finances. It's about the freedom to love and serve God with your whole heart. And as I study scripture, there are three areas of our finances um, that God wants us to steward if our heart would be free. So I want to give you, uh, I didn't bring my dry erase board, but I want you to use your imagination and follow along with me because there's two different approaches of these three areas of finances and wealth and possessions um, that, that, that we approach stewardship in this world. So you have the worldly uh, approach to stewardship, okay? And at the worldly approach to stewardship, if, you were to, if I was to draw a triangle, at the top of that triangle of the greatest sense of uh, priority, it, you could write down the word spending or spend. Write down the word spend, right? Because all of us, we get money and we spend money. Now, some of us get it, and not only do we spend it, but we spend all of it. We swipe, and we sign, and we spend, and we spend some more. And in our society, this is normal. This is, this is what's regular. This is what our neighbors do. This is what our friends do. This is what our coworkers do. Spending is at the top of that um, worldly approach to finances, right? And we spend. And spending is not necessarily bad. Spending is how we provide. Spending is how uh, we take care of things. Spending is how we enjoy the blessings of God in our life, right? And how many know that spending, having money to spend is important? Walmart does not take faith. Walmart takes money. Okay. But a lot of us, <laughs> we spend and we, and we swipe and we sign and we spend and we spend. And matter of fact, in our society, we actually spend more than we have, Right? And we get into what is called debt. So we're just spending and spending like we're Congress. We're just spending everything that we have. And we're just going all out with spending. And then the second area, if I had to write down that second area of stewardship that God wants us um, to responsibly and faithfully steward, you could write down the area of save. Save, right? Um, and this is an area where, you know, we talk about I know it's good to save. I've been wanting to save some, some money for this particular thing, and I know I should save, but really by the time we're ended up, end up done spending, we just don't have very much left over. And if we do save, we save inconsistently every now and then, and it's like a good idea. Next week, I'll save from the paycheck in the future, but we sometimes don't have enough because we've already spent what we have. And then the last area of financial stewardship you could write down in the worldly uh, approach to financial stewardship is so. In other words, your giving and your generosity. Um, and if we have enough left over, maybe we come and we give to God or we give to some kind of charitable organization or we're, we're generous in a, in a particular area, but it's more, for most of us, it's more inconsistent than it should be. So that is the approach um, of the world in terms of their, 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 their stewardship over their finances, their stewardship over their spending, their saving, and their sowing. But God has a, there's God's way and God's approach uh, to financial stewardship, and that is at the top you could write, you could flip this whole thing upside down, really, and you could write, so, so, right? Because God places a priority on our generosity and on our giving, the scripture actually teaches from Genesis to Revelation uh, the practice or the principle called the tithe. That is the first 10%. And the tithe is to actually be given first. 
It's known as first fruits. I'll share this scripture with you, just one, but you can find it throughout the scriptures. In Malachi chapter, or actually in uh, Proverbs. This passage is in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 to 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. The first. It takes faith to give first, doesn't it? So God doesn't want us to give him the leftovers. God wants to give to him first. And see, it's not about the amount. It's about the priority, right? It's about the priority that we place on the, the blessings that the Lord has provided for us. Uh, so we can write sowing at the top, that's 10%, and then saving. Saving would be the second category. And if you wrote saving right down, down right there, um, saving would be something that we should also prioritize because sa- uh, saving actually puts us in a position uh, where if we have storms or if we have situations or if we have trouble, if we have things that come about, we're not scrambling in catastrophe mode or you know, or tragedy mode, but we've actually uh, got some margin to be able to take care of whatever emergency situations that might arise. And maybe you save, maybe like, let's just say for the sake of simplicity, you put 10% in saving or investing or what have you. And then the last category there would be our spending. So let's talk about our spending. We can free our heart today by stewarding what we spend. And that's my first Um, that's my first point that I want to make here. Stewarding what we spend. How do we steward what we spend in a way that honors God? So let's, for the sake of simplicity, say you sow the 10% and then you save the 10%. What do you have left over to be able to spend? 80%. You guys, I'm I'm a a simple pastor, so I had to make this easy for myself, right? So 80%. um, And I know, listen, I get it right now. This is like, this is like crazy talk right now. Like, I, I get it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Some of y'all are like, 80%? I gotta have, I spend 80%? No way. I, there's no way. This is like, you know, God parting the Red Sea or Jesus walking on water. You know what I'm saying? I'm, this is crazy talk right now, right? But uh, spending the 80%, I want to talk to you about how do we go about and giving you some practical advice on how to wisely steward the 80%. Well, the first thing that you should do to steward the 80% is make a plan and follow it. In other words, this is called a budget. That's a, that's a cuss word in some houses, right? A budget. And I'm going to defer to my guy, Dave Ramsey. You know him, the money guy. Um, he's written a lot of books, and you can get more information from him by uh, researching and, and, and picking up his books. But he says this about a budget. A budget is telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. How many of you have been there before, right? Uh, it's a, a budget is a game plan, a roadmap, or an agenda for your finances and how they're going to be spent. So each month before the month begins, you take whatever you're going to make, right? And then you take whatever your expenses are. And the difference, uh, you're supposed to spend between the 80% because you're going to give the 10, and you're going to save the 10, and you have the 80% left over. Um, this is called your budget. And here's what you do with that making a plan to steward um, your spending is you're going to identify what are the essentials. Come on. Come on. How many know that there are some essentials? Food, right? Water, shelter, electricity, transportation. 
And I would just say everything else is like luxury from that point. These are the essentials, right? And so we've got to learn how to steward the 80%. Another piece of practical advice uh, to wisely steward the 80% of your spending is to not use debt. So make a plan and don't use debt. Did you know that millions of Americans live with debt that they cannot control? And so I've devised a program that is going to help each and every one of us. It's a unique, maybe unheard of program for managing your debt. And this is crazy, right? But I'm just going to roll it out to you. It's called Don't Spend More Than You Make. It's crazy, right? It's crazy. But don't use debt. Every reference of debt in the Bible is a negative one. The most one, the most famous one is this in, in the scripture today, and I have it up here on the screen for you. In Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7, the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. But we swipe now, and we pay later. But if we swipe now and pay later, it leads to our struggling today. So if you're in debt, here's what the Bible says about you. You are a slave and not only are you a slave, but you feel that, that, that tension. You feel that place of just being stressed out because you're in so much debt. Now, you're a, you, you could be a slave to Visa. You know, you're a slave to MasterCard. You're a slave to Kohl's or Best Buy. Maybe you're a slave to student debt or your mortgage, right? And the reality is that we owe so much that it's hard for us to steward the 80%, much less give and to be able um, to save, all right? And here's, here's how it looks in our, in our society um, in terms of trying to steward what we spend and not overspending and not living in debt because debt brings us into a place of bondage, right? And so we don't want to live in debt, but here's what happens. We look on the Instagram, we look on the social media, right? And we talk about our neighbor. They've been to New York City twice in the last month. And, and, and you know, I, I, we, we should go to New York City, too. Or, or it's cold right now. And uh, the barbers are getting ready to go on a cruise uh, to, uh, to Cancun, right? So that looks kind of fun. And so we start comparing what everybody else is doing. And so we feel like that we need to get in on um, that experience that, that everybody else is doing. Now, here's the reality. If you're like me, and I'm not sure how this works in your home, but you start getting mail to the house, right? And, and, and you know, Capital One, you might get a credit card from Capital One that says, uh, enroll today, you're pre-approved. And you're thinking to yourself, yeah, I just seen my cousins, they went on the cruise and they look like they had a great time. I think this is the Lord's provision. God has answered my prayer. I simply... How, how did this happen? How did I get so blessed and fortunate? Let me tell you today, you didn't do nothing special. They, they'll give credit to your pets if, if they can, right? So all you got to do is just sign on the line and send that, on the dotted line and send that thing back. And right now it's, you know, you get $2,500 extra cash to go ahead and or to spend on this trip. And so you go on the cruise and you get to the cruise and then you put everything on the card because you know you ain't got the money to pay for it. And you have a great time on the cruise and you got so much debt, so much student debt that you might even just sink the boat because it's so heavy and weighed upon you that, you know, by the time you get back and even though you had a good time, you start getting the bills in immediately and the bills start coming in. 
and you realize, hey, look, what looked so good on Instagram wasn't actually, it's really not worth what I thought it was going to be worth after all. And so you've got to start figuring out a way how to pay this debt off, right? And so you're trying to figure this out. And next thing you know, you get the new visa in the mail, platinum visa, triple the points, gold star, you know, all the benefits. And you've got this spending limit. And you say to yourself, Oh, I can just consolidate all my debt now and praise God and God is answering my prayers, right? And so now we get into even more debt and it snowballs and it snowballs and it gets too far beyond our control. And I know that this seems so practical, but yet it's more spiritual than you actually even realize. Don't be a slave to debt. Don't be a slave to your spending. Free your heart by stewarding what you spend. The borrower is servant to the lender, a slave to the lender. God wants you to be free. And so I want you to steward what you spend. The second thing that I want you to do to free your heart, I want you to steward what you save. Steward what you save. How do we steward what we save in a way that honors God? Here's an incredible word uh, that I found that it will really set you free that's super helpful, all right? It's called margin. You ever heard of this before? Margin, all right? Margin is when you have a li- extra. It's just a simple, simple definition is that you have extra. Here's a good definition too. A measure of profitability. It represents the percentage of revenue that is retained as profit after deducting expenses. And our spending without our saving will be a setup for struggling. Margin is important in all areas of life. Think about your time, Right? How many of you have ever been running late before and you're trying to get to a place or a meeting or work or wherever you got, right? And you're running late, you have no margin. How many of you know the attitude and the anxiety and the feeling that you feel on the way to being 20 minutes to that meeting is way different than being 20 minutes early to that meeting? Margin is important in your life. And I want to give you um, a few ways why we should wisely save and steward what we save and create margin. We should wisely save for, for the first thing I want to share with you is for emergencies. How many of y'all know that some emergencies are coming? Come on, tires blow up, transmissions go out, kids get sick, you know, there's some kind of health crisis or we lose a job. Emergencies are coming. I know that's like bad news. I don't want to just bring you bad news today. But emergencies are coming, so you have to be wise to survive the storms of life. And if you don't have savings, you're going to be spending by swiping and deferring payments continually over and over again. You're getting further into debt. And Dave Ramsey says you're supposed to have, there's a lot of different ideas on this, but three to six months of savings built up so that if a storm hits your life, if something happens um, that, that is a tragedy or something happens, you will be able to take care and you won't be in catastrophe mode and you'll be able to survive those storms. I know this is super practical right now. L- listen to this, what, what the pro- proverb says, uh, chapter 21, verse 20. Wise people save the nice things that they have. Fools use everything up as soon as they get it. So it's, I'm going to get it and I'm spending it. A fool would say, I'm, I'm getting it, I'm spending, I'm spending, I'm spending, I'm spending but wise people save up the nice things they have. So wisdom requires us to save for emergencies. 
The second thing that I want you to save up for, it's important for you to steward what you save by uh, being wise with your, with your finances for the future. And I'm not just talking about padding retirement so that you can sit on a beach for the last 20 years of your life, which is, it's okay, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm talking about saving not just so you can be comfortable throughout the rest of your life, but there's going to be a time uh, where you're not going to be able to work anymore and you're going to need to have some savings. You're going to still need to live. Not only should you save just to, so that you can, for the future, so you can have more money, but also you should want to leave a legacy. You should want to leave things better than where you found it. So an inheritance, the, the Bible says this, um, it says a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. So it's not about me, it's about the generations after me. We did not just build this church so that we could all come together and gather in a comfortable air-conditioned or heated, in this, uh, in this situation, a heated room so we could have great services. No, we, we have saved so that we could uh, provide a kid's pastor, a youth pastor, because we're about investing in the next generation. In fact, we're getting ready to do some renovations over here in what was formerly known as our youth room, but now it's going to be our family life center because we want to be able to invest in the next generation. How many of you know that there's something more important than what we're doing today, and that's the things that we do for the future, for the next generation? What's kind of crazy to think about is those that are being even born today, the little babies that are being born in the church today, they're actually going to live into the next century so we got to think about what our legacy is going to be as a people. And the only way to do that is to steward what we save. So we steward what we save for emergencies, for the future, and we steward what we save for opportunities. Come on. If you save and have margin financially, you get the opportunity to bless somebody or to go somewhere, or if you have a burden to do something, you can ask God, God, what would you have me to do? God, what would you, have, would you have me to go? Who would you have me to help? It provides an opportunity, and you can ask God, God, what would you have me to do without having to ask GoFundMe to pay for it, right? Now, I'm thankful for GoFundMe. I think it's pretty cool. I think it's great, but I always wonder, like, what if we just steward what God has already blessed us with so we don't have to go to GoFundMe to have what we need to provide for this opportunity, right? When we save, it allows us to say, God, what, you, would, you, what would you want me to do? Where would you want me to go? Who would you want me to bless? I want you to free your heart by stewarding what you spend and stewarding what you save. Finally, I want you to free your heart by stewarding what you sow. Steward what you sow. This is your giving and your generosity. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 21 says this. Whoever pursues righteousness, righteousness is uh, both a condition in terms of our standing before God, or it's our position and our standing before God, and it is also our condition in terms of it's the decision that we make to do what is right. It's the being side and the doing side. Whoever pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity, and honor. How do we steward what we sow in a way that honors God? We trust God, and we do what is right, and he will bless us. We trust God and do what is right, and he will bless us. This is how we steward what we sow. And if your hands are not open to sow, your heart cannot be free. 
How do you steward what you sow? I'm going to give you a few practical ways to do that. I want you to first exchange your presumption for God's plan. A presumption is an idea that it might not be founded in truth, but you use it to base other decisions upon. And so we have presumptions that are, we think are true or maybe we're certain about, but they might not be true and they might not be certain. We need to exchange our presumptions for God's plan. Here's God's plan, the tithe and the offering. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 says this. Let's start at verse, uh, start at verse 6. I, the Lord, do not change. And he goes down to say, but you ask, how we return? How can a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you in tithes and offerings? You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much of a blessing that there will not be room to store it. And if just in case you were thinking that the tithe is like an Old Testament thing, look up Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, those that were faithful in obeying the law. And Jesus himself was faithful in obeying the law. Jesus didn't come to do away with the law, but he came to fulfill the law. And he would say to them, hey, you Pharisees, you tithe on everything that you have, everything that you own. Yes, you do well because you should tithe. But don't forget and neglect the weightier issues of the law, such as justice and mercy and kindness, right? So Jesus is saying, do all that stuff. Yes, tithe and do all that, but don't forget the most important things. So Jesus is saying that we should tithe. So exchange our presumptions for God's plan. The tithe is God's plan. The offering is 10%. The tithe is 10%. Uh, Generosity is actually more than what the tithe is. The tithe is God's. It's God's plan for your giving, and it's better than your presumption for your giving. Secondly, you have to ask yourself, um, how can I steward what I sow? I want you to do this. By exchanging your objections for obedience to God. Exchange your objections to obedience to God, right? People say this, if I had more, I would give more, right? Not true. It's not about the amount you give, but it's the faithfulness to what God has given you that God is looking for. If I had more, I would give. Giving is not about how much you have, but how faithfully you give from what God has blessed you with. Secondly, here's an objection uh, to, to stewardship and sowing. Um, small acts of giving don't matter. I know that young people would say this probably. I don't really have much to give, and I don't make much. If you're a college student, I can't you know, I just have a little bit. But when we are generous together through God's power, small things can accomplish big things. Remember when the little boy brought the fishes and the loaves to Jesus? See, little is much when you place it in God's hands. And when we bring what little we have, God adds the super to our natural. He makes, he makes miracles out of what little that we give him. Another objection is I can't afford to give. And I would tell you this morning... Really and truly, you can't afford not to give. I would rather have God's blessing on my 90% than me try to live without God's blessing on the 100%. You need God's blessing on your giving. Remember when he said in Malachi, see if I won't throw up, open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing upon you. But in order to receive a blessing, you first got to give. 
if I give, the last objection is, if I give, I will have less. Here's the reality. When I give, I have all that I need and more. This is an abundance mindset. God provides everything that I need. And the truth is, when we place uh, what little we have in God's hands, he does much with it. Holding on to what I have, though, leaves me with less. I'm going to conclude by sharing this story that I might have told you before. Maybe you're familiar with it, but I've shared this, and I think it bears repeating because it so relates to this particular uh, message today, and that's how they catch monkeys in India. And so a shrewd monkey hunter found out that the way to catch monkeys was to appeal to their nature. Monkeys are generally very selfish and stingy and greedy creatures. And he found that if he, takes, if he would take a coconut, he'd drill a hole in one side. If he put banana chunks, you know, nuts, all the stuff that monkeys like, he'd throw it there in that little hole, and he tied a, a rope to the other end of that, of that coconut. And all he would do was just place that coconut, that trap, that food in the path of the monkey. And when the monkey would come along, he'd go, he would hide behind the tree, just wait for that monkey to come along. And that monkey would take his little bitty teeny little hand and he'd put it in that hole and he'd grab what he wanted. And once he grabbed what he wanted, he was trapped because all the monkey hunter had to do is yank on that rope. And here came the trap and the monkey sitting at his feet. Monkeys are very selfish creatures. All the monkey had to do to be set free was to let go of what was in his hand. And if you and I cared anything about monkeys, and we were in that place in that moment, and we saw this monkey getting trapped, we would say, little monkey, let go. They're going to kill you. They're going to eat you. Let go of what's in your hand, little monkey. But the monkey is not aware enough to let go of what is in his hand. He's so selfish and is so stingy. He wants to hold on to what he thinks is his, to his own detriment, to the, own, to the consequences of getting put in a grill, right? So this monkey is going to be eaten if he doesn't let go of what's in his hand. And you and I, we are in the same place in reality. Because we're like the monkeys, and the enemy wants to trap us. He wants to grab us. He wants to put us in bondage and slavery and hold on to us and not let us loose and not set us free because he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus has come to give us life and life more abundantly. Let go of what you're clinging to. Let go of the control of what is in your hand and let God have it. If you'll let God have what is already his, if you'll say, God, I trust you. I trust you with the tithe. I trust you with my giving. I trust you with generosity. I'm willing to let go of whatever is in my hand. If you'll let go of what is in your hand, God will let go of what is in his hand. And you need God's blessing. You need God's hand on the area of your finances in order for your heart to be free. It's not about finances. It's about your freedom to love and serve God with all of your heart, all of your soul, with all of your mind, and all of your strength. And that's why Jesus said that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You cannot love God and money. 
you're going to be loyal to one over the other. And so this morning, as we, I want you to close your eyes, bow your head, everybody here today as I close. I want to pray for you. Lord, help us to live an open-handed life, Lord. Lord, knowing that when we open our hand and give it to you, you'll replace our stress for peace. You'll, res- you'll give us a life of freedom from debt, and we'll find joy in obediently giving to make a difference both today and throughout eternity. So help us free our hearts, Lord, by stewarding what we spend. Free our hearts by helping us steward what we save and help, help us to steward our hearts and to be free by stewarding what we sow. And I'm going to talk to you just for a second here. So keep your, maybe just keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. I'll ask you a question. I was thinking about this week. What changes, there's something that changes everything from a me-centered way of living to a God way of living. What is it that changes everything from the world's way of financial stewardship to God's way of financial stewardship? What is it? It's the cross of Jesus. You see, the cross, the good news of Jesus changes our understanding of stewardship and helps us to realize that it's not a money issue, but it's a heart issue because God is not after our money. His priority is not as what is in our hand, but his priority of what is in our heart. And this is how he changes a heart. This is stewardship because God sowed, because God gave his only begotten son. He didn't just give 10%. He gave 100%. He sowed. He gave his very best. He sowed that we might be saved. You and I might be saved. That he might reconcile us to God. Though we were dead in our sins and our trespasses, that God, through sowing the gift of his son, that we, by faith, believing in him and repenting of our sins and asking for his forgiveness, for him to change our heart and our life. Now we are saved and now we are free to spend our life for others and for this gospel he's given to us to share. The scriptures say, freely we have received, now freely we are able to give. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Our vision is that you would experience Victory Church as a place to call home. We do this by encountering God through worship, embracing community through relationship, and expanding the kingdom of God through service. Find out more about Victory at victorywinchester.com.